You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church in Midlothian, Texas. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, visit Stonegate-Church.com. Amen. It is good to see you all on this morning. My name is Valentine, and I come with good news. I have passed Hebrew. Amen. That may not make you shout amen. No, 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 no. This was not a cheese with an A or a B. Some word C-ish. Might be a D. But I pass. Uh, so I come bearing good news. Uh, again, it's indeed an honor and a pleasure to be here before you all to uh, uh, be given the opportunity to, to speak and proclaim the gospel of Christ. I pray that God would use me on this morning. So with that, let, let us pray, and then we'll get uh, right into today's text. Father, we thank you, and Father God, we do love you for who you are. And what, Father God, we do pray that you would do on this morning. Will you please remind us that the gospel is a message that comes with freedom to set us free. Father, will you please work in me and through me, God, that we all leave for God more grateful and appreciative of Christ and what you allowed him to do for us. And now, God, what the Spirit of God is revealing and making even more clear on this morning and in our lives. So, Father, with that, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. That would be encouraging and edifying, God, to your children. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I have a, I have a few questions to ask you. One is, if you really really believed that God was good, gracious, sovereign, long-suffering, always in control, and never, ever grew angry at you. How would you act? What would you do differently? How would you order or reorder your life? What kind of change or things would you change about your life? If God was good, gracious, long-suffering, patient, sovereign, always in control, would that reorient how you live? Better yet, Do you live your life with such freedom and joy that even uptight Christians doubt your salvation? I don't know about you, but I I, I know some uptight Christians that you just cannot do certain things around that, that the Bible does not say yay or nay to. As a matter of fact, when we look at our Savior, Jesus, 
I think he intentionally does things to to uh, 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 to to, to rough. Uh, uh, the feathers of those who, who are so caught up in religion. You see this in Matthew chapter 9, verse 10, and, and it reads as such. Uh, and as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, the Bible says, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners. I mean, if he's this, this Messiah, this, this, Jewish, this Jewish Messiah who's come to free his people, and if he is God, why is he hanging around sinners and tax collectors? If you read on a couple more chapters, it says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they said, Look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom, the Bible says, is justified with her deeds. I believe that Jesus, when he came on earth, he refused to let the world or religion shape the freedom or to give or, or to reduce the freedom that he found and was uh, that he found and believed in his father as a matter of fact it says that I, I believe that instead of living so uptight Jesus lived with, with one aim and that was to please and to glorify his father and if that's done and if Christ can do it in such a way and still hang around people who drunk and ate. I mean, shouldn't that loosen up most all of all Christmas? That man that, we, that, that, that if God in the flesh can come and hang around lost people despite how they act, despite how, what they're doing, and he, end up, and he will climb with them. Shouldn't we loosen up some? Shouldn't we loosen up? I remember one. I remember when I was uh, 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 preaching back in the days. Man, I always said, "Man, nobody in my house can, can come in if they if they cussing us one." Well, I just reduce half of my whole community. <laughs> I mean, how do I? How then does the lost see Christ in action? If I'm if I have all these rules and uh, uh, these rules to keep them out, whether they're inviting them in to see how Christ allows people to live and to live with freedom. Isn't that what the gospel accomplished in your life? Hopefully it set you free from rules and regulations that men have, that they have the tendency to place on people. This is the context of our book of Galatians. Paul, he's He's planted this church in Galatia. They have believed in the gospel. Yet you got these, some call them Jewish Christians, who say, yeah, 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 you need Christ, but also you need this. They came with, they came with something totally different than what Paul had first came with. They said, man, you need to have Christ Plus, you need to obey the law. You need to observe rituals. You need to uh, 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 observe these days. There's still something for, do, for you to do. For what? 
for the acceptance, to gain acceptance with God, that you cannot tell me that, that believing in Christ alone is the, is, is the way and the means where you gain acceptance with God. But that was just the case. Man has always desired to do something and to have something to boast about and to be proud about when Christ has come to disarm all men of any pride that they would take in their salvation. So Paul, he, he comes to them and says, man, let me just remind you why Christ came. He, uh, Paul says in in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, uh, he says, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Understand that when we hear the message of Jesus, it comes with a package. It comes with the gift of freedom. And for the people at Galatia, it was freedom from the law. As a matter of fact, you read in Galatians chapter 3 where it says that the law was a tutor to get us to Christ. And now that you've gotten to Christ, you're free. You are, you are no longer under the bondage of the law, but you're now free in Christ. And, and, and then you have to realize that these were that, 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 that this church was a, was a bunch of Gentiles, so they also they also served idols. They had sin issues. So now that we have believed in Christ, not only does the gospel free us from religion or from the law, it frees us from the bondage of sin. It, it, it frees us from the, from the power of sin, of self, and of Satan. And, and, and if you've never heard before outside of here, let me just remind you, you as a Christian who have believed in the finished work of Christ, you have the ability through the Holy Spirit to have dominion, power over sin. Romans 5 says this, uh, Romans 5, 21 says that, that where once sin reigned, now the righteousness of God reigns. No longer are you enslaved to sin, but you now are enslaved. You have become a slave of righteousness because of the finished work of Christ. The idea of freedom is found in our doctrine of justification. That, 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 that when you come to Christ, it's like you're in a, you're in a courtroom and, 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 and God takes into account all of your sins past, all of your sins present and all your sins in the future. And because you believed in Christ, what, what God the Father declares to you because of what Christ has done is that you are not guilty. You are free of all charges. Along with that, you're free of any guilt that comes with it. <laughs> The fact, that, the fact that even in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10, the Bible says that, that, that Christ was our offering as a guilt offering. That, 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 that he was an offering of guilt. That, 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 that God knew that we would struggle with guilt, 
So Christ, I need you to die not only for the sins, but also for their guilt. And here's what I've realized about folks who have been declared not guilty in a physical courtroom. When the judge declares not guilty, they are not leaving their guilty over being declared not guilty. But there are some saints who know this. That you've been declared not guilty. You have been set free from sin. You, you no longer have to worry about the penalty of sin. God has decreed and declared you are not guilty. Over any struggle, over anything, if you have believed in the finished work of Christ, why are we walking around guilty? And God, he's able to do this because in Christ, our sins have been forgiven. This word, forgiven, I love it. It means that your slate has been washed, wiped clean. That your debt has been counseled. And again, you've been pardoned. I mean, think about this. I mean, just, just, just practically. When if and when you are struggling with sin for a day or for a season, that because of what Christ has done for you, God the Father looks down on you. He cannot bypass Christ, but he sees that Christ has died for your sins, which causes all your sins to be removed. So now, when, so when God the Father does see you, what he sees is a clean and spotless and perfect saint, not because of your struggles, but because of what Christ has done for you. That's, he never sees a spot on your plate. Your slate, your plate has been wiped clean. God, he, he, he does that through the, through the forgiveness of Christ. And this is why when you read Psalms 103, this, is, this, 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 this brings joy to my soul. The psalmist says, he, God, does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards who? Those who fear him. As far as the east is west, so far does he remove transgression. Never was good in geography. So I went on Google. I said, I said Google, show me the distance between the, 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 the furthest point east and west in the U.S. Google said 3,800 miles, no, 3,800 miles and 3,827 miles. California to North Carolina. I said, Google, that's not good enough. Sure, give me the distance uh, between the, the furthest point east and west of the entire world, Earth. Google said, okay, that is 27,353 miles. Why did I give you this math? Because whenever we sin, the Bible says God has removed it as far east as 
is rest. That, 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 that why are we guilty over something that in God that's not present? When we see it, it's like God, he grabs your sins, he throws it as far as he can so you won't have to deal with it or be associated or be identified by it. Christ, God the Father, because of Christ, never identifies with us because of our struggles. We're always called saints. We are his holy ones. We are his ones that, 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 that even present now are without blemish or spot because of the finished work of Christ. And the question is, God, why have you done all of this for us? I'm glad you asked. First Peter chapter 3 brings light to this. It says this, for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might, hear this, bring us God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. In short, if you had to give somebody a quick definition of why you saved and why God uh, died and removed your sins in Christ, it because the Father wanted fellowship with me. The, the Bible says that it was God, the Father, in Christ, the Son, reconciling the world to himself. It was God in Christ, working through Christ to undo what Adam had did. He was to restore, to, to redo, to make new what Adam had messed up. Here it is. Christ died for us to have an uninterrupted relationship, which means that we would never have to worry about not being his sons and daughters, but also to have an ongoing, intimate fellowship. But have an ongoing, intimate fellowship with the Father for now and forever. If I have to ask you, ask you the question, man, are we enjoying the reason why Christ died? Why our sins are were forgiven? Are we enjoying our fellowship with the Father? Billy Graham says this. Remember, he, God, the Father, wants our fellowship. And he has done everything possible to make it a reality. He has forgiven all past, present, and future sins at the cost of his dear son. He has given us his word and the priceless privilege of prayer and worship. Do you see prayer, God's word, and the opportunity to worship as priceless? I'm, I haven't been perfect at this day. I, I, I still, I'm still hitting miss on, on spending time with God. But here's what happens when I do, when I do it in a way where, where when I'm not trying to rush, not trying to watch Sports Center, not trying to get out the house so quick. When I really enjoy time with God, it's in those moments where God, He fills me with his spirit gives me direction with his word, and then he causes me to worship and to praise. Matt Carter, who 
who is the pastor down at Austin Stone Church, after all of the people have done their interview uh, 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 to get hired on staff, he comes in and he asks them one question. And this is a determining whether he hires them or not. When was the last time the gospel made you weep? Have you ever been in those moments? You're praying, you're reading, and you're writing, and something just overwhelms you. And you just break out in worship. You just start praising them, man. I mean, I mean, I, don't, I, mean, I remember one time I was, I was, I was with my wife, and we was doing something, man. And we was on the bed reading, reading the Bible, and this song came on. And man, and as soon as the song hit, mentioned the name Jesus, I rolled off my bed, hit my knees, and started crying. Jesus, just remembering all that He's done. I have a prof who's thirty-seven years old. His name is Dr. Matt Queen. Whenever he thinks about the idea of all of his sins being forgiven, that he can enjoy fellowship with his father, he still weeps to this day. He was saved at 13, and the gospel is still meaningful to him. He's still sensitive to the fact that God the Father in Christ forgave me of all of my sins to have fellowship with the Father. Are you enjoying this fellowship with the Father? When was the last time being in his presence overwhelmed you? Christ, he's freed us. Lastly, and I want to say this because this has been my biggest struggle. It's in those moments, it's great, it's in those moments when I'm spending time with God that he whispers, accepted. He whispers, approved. And in those moments, the greatest comfort that, that money cannot bring, that a new house cannot bring, that a car cannot bring, there is a comforting thing that, that overwhelms me when my father whispers to me, I love you. I know you came here struggling, but, so, but I know what Christ has done for you, and I, and I see what you are allowing the Spirit of God to do through you, and so I just... Want to remind you, I love you. And you don't have to work for acceptance anymore. You don't have to work for approval anymore. You don't have to search for comfort anymore. You don't have to control anything anymore. Son, I got you. I'm free to enjoy enough fellowship with the Father. Even coming to him, the mess that I am and the things that I do because of Christ, I'm freed. Not having to do more to gain acceptance, but trust more because I am accepted. That's been huge for me. And something coming to Stonegate, God has really worked on. And I'll go there later on. So not only have I been freed, or we've been freed, uh, to fellowship with the Father, man. Now, from this fellowship with the Father, from this fellowship with God, there is this idea that we've been freed also to serve others. 
So there's this idea of, of loving and serving, of loving and serving. I said in, in, in the first service, try to, try to be married and say, I love you, but not serve the person. That's not going to go very well. And as a matter of fact, that won't even last long. Because the idea is that if you love me, you will what? Serve me. So look what Paul says here in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Don't, don't use your freedom to sin because, because the gospel saved you from sin and it saved you to sin. So don't use that freedom just to fulfill your flesh. Brother, he says, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Here's the idea. That your freedom in Christ is closely related to your freedom to serve others. I think Paul gives us a great philosophy or a great uh, description of what serving is found in Philippians chapter 2. Look on the screen. It says, serving is doing nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility counting others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. The NRT says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. As you are seated now in your seat and you're looking to the left and to the right, to the front and to the back, the question is, do you see that person, that sister or that brother as more significant than you? Because the truth is, biblically, we won't serve the way God called us to serve until we do see others as more important than ourselves. The idea that, that, that we should not be conceited or prideful or that we shouldn't serve to try to impress people, but we should serve because God has called us to serving. He's he saved us to serve, that he has gifted us to serve. He's, he's, he's enabled us by the power of the Spirit to use whatever ability given us to serve him and to move his church forward. Let me stop there. Not in the notes, not on the screen. Been at Stonegate now for... 21 months on staff here for now two years. And the common question among volunteers is, man, we need more people. Because Stonegate is growing, if you haven't noticed. Upstairs, the kids, praise God for those who serve, couldn't be me, amen? But there are somebody here that God has given you the ability to minister to kids, to care for them. The children are over across the street, youth on Wednesday night, 
setup team on Sunday mornings and hence worship. What we shouldn't have to do because Christ has called you to this is, 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 is beg anyone to serve. Now, now, maybe you say, well, I serve outside the church, and all that's good. You should serve outside the church, but you won't tell your, your spouse, hey, I serve at work. I ain't going to serve at the house. Not going to go over well. I promise you it's not. But the idea of us having to beg people to serve when God has done so much for you, and you hear this glorious and this wonderful gospel preached every single Sunday. God, the, the response to be as Isaiah, God, who I am, what, send me, what, what, what can I do? What, God, what, God? Because, because we cannot disconnect loving and serving. They go hand in hand. So here's the question. To, to, to those who have believed in this beautiful and wonderful gospel of the message has it moved you out of your seat to serve. We need you. I, I promise you, we got a place for you that's stronger. I promise you, we have not ran out of volunteers. I promise you, there's a, there's a place for you. The Holy Spirit has gifted you to serve. He will strengthen you to serve. He he will give you the wisdom and the knowledge to do it in such a way it glorifies God and edifies the people. Will you please think about serving? Will you please ask God, God, what can I do to extend your kingdom, to serve your people, and to welcome the lost? What can I do? Will you please pray about that? The moment you find out what it is, email me, text me, Rodney, Travis, whoever it is, just get with somebody. I promise you, we have a place for you. All right? I'm done with that. Amen. I'm done with that. Don't do that. Here's the last thing that, that we see in this, uh, uh, in this, is that we are, now that we've been free to fellowship with God and that, we, that we've been free now to serve others, listen, 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 listen. the idea of serving, I gotta I got say this. I know that some people don't serve because they fear rejection or they won't be accepted. But my, but my Bible says God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Listen, I think the more you serve, you get over you real fast. The, the problem is, it's about you too much, so you won't serve. Again, if you say you love God and if you believe in this gospel, the greatest display of loving and serving that we see in the Bible is Christ on the cross. Think about it, son. What you see on the cross is, is, is Christ loving you, loving us more than himself. What you see on the cross is Christ saying, you are more important than me. What you see on the cross is is Christ obeying God to the end. What you see on the cross is the greatest demonstration of loving you and serving you. And if we believe in this gospel that we see on the cross, shouldn't we also live it out in our walk? Loving and serving. They go hand in hand. 
I believe that you, you just cannot believe the gospel and not serve. It moves you to serve because God has work to do. And we need you. Oh, we need you. Oh, we need you. I'm done with that. Hey, now I'm going away. Hey, there we go. There we go. <laughs> Moving along to verse 16. We're, we're now free to progress and or produce by the Spirit. It says, but I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. If you drop down to verse 18, but if you are led by, by the spirit, you are not under the law. Verse 25, if we live by the law, let us also keep in step with the spirit. Here's the idea. That as we walk, that is, are controlled by the spirit of God. God would ensure progression in our life. And verse 16, well, what we don't see is because the English doesn't do a great job in, in this verse. Really what Paul is saying is, but I say, walk in the spirit and you will not never gratify the, the desires of the flesh. Paul is saying, if you are controlled, if you are consumed, if you are progressing in the spirit, you will never, never gratify your flesh. Because in this thing, in this, in this, in this walk, there's a war going on. So, so, so Paul says in verse, uh, 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 in verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed uh, of each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. I bet you know it's real fast that when you got saved, the flesh did not go anywhere. It stayed right there. That this, uh, that, that, that this old sinful nature, that, that though God saved you and he deposited in you his spirit, he left the flesh there. God, could you did a brother a favor, and when you saved me, remove the flesh. And God said, no, I'm going to leave the flesh there in my spirit, and what I'm going to do is trust for you to ask me to fill you, that I may control you, that, that you may dominate your flesh for my glory. And for the example that I am able to do anything, even in the midst of people like us who are wretched and miserable, and yet the Spirit of God empowers us to live life. Y'all, what, what has really caused me to worship God more is when I say no to sin and yes to Him. Why? Walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. I'm, I'm living out in the Spirit. And God is granting me victory. Which leads me then to this producing by, by the Spirit. Look what it says here uh, in, in, uh, in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ has Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I didn't read for you the works of the flesh, but that's found in verse 18 through 21. But now with this war, here's a war. God is trying to get us to produce some things, and the flesh says, well, now I want you to also 
do things. And so what God does is he gives us his spirit and he begins to produce in us that nothing, not even seminary, not no book can produce. The idea of the fruit of the spirit, it's, it's nine different graces that God gives us. But there are three different levels. First of all, there's love, joy, and peace. These things are found, these things source are in God. These graces, love, joy, and peace are primarily found in God and God alone. But if you want to uh, 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 experience an unconditional, ongoing love, if you want to experience an undeniable peace and joy, the Bible says trust in the person of God. He will never let you down. He will always give you peace, joy, and he will always let you know that you are loved despite what you're going through. There are times in there are times in life you don't feel loved by anyone except when you turn to God. And he causes you to glance at the cross and say, son, I love you. But then also there's this idea of Patience, kindness, and goodness. These things are, God is producing these things in us for the benefit of others. Imagine a, a household in a church where people are patient, long-suffering, kind, and good. Imagine, me, imagine a marriage like that where your spouse is always patient, always kind, and always good to you. I, 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 who will get divorced? I mean, why? If you're going to be good to me, kind to me, and patient, it ain't going to work. I, I, I promise you I'm not. Will you leave pack bags for two? Because I ain't going nowhere. You, I, you got me for life. And here's the job of the Spirit to produce long-suffering, goodness, and kindness, not for you, but for the benefit of the other. Are you long-suffering? I promise you push-ups can't do it. I promise, I promise you self-discipline can't, can't develop kindness and goodness. It's only God and his spirit can. Lastly, there's, there's this idea of faithfulness and meekness and self-control. I remember, I remember trying to, you know, uh, I, I haven't always been saved, and so... We, we come up with different ideas to help a person stop doing wrong. All of them failed. None of them worked. The idea of trying to gain self-control, man, through exercise or whatever it is, or bets, I, I always lost. Because I, I never could produce a sustained self-control. And the Bible has said the only person that can do that is God himself. And I know that a lot of us were struggling with certain things. That, that, and so the issue is due to a self-control thing. It's, it's due to us not being faithful or us not just being meek or gentle or humble. And God said, listen to me, that's the work of the Spirit to do that to, do that to you and for you. These are general conducts that should be found in Christians today. Can it be said about you? that you are allowing the Spirit of God to produce faithfulness, that is, being dependable, a person of integrity, that is, being meek and humble and self-control, being disciplined, something that only God produces.
nothing else. And God said, I promise you that when you are allowing me to produce these nine graces in your life, guess who you remind people of? Jesus. With that, let me share with you this quote, and I'm done. Ah, it's by Steve Brown. It says, let it go and quit making your goodness the issue. This isn't about you and me. It's about Jesus. When you obsess over anything but him, and that includes being free, you can lose it. Jesus (laughs) is freedom. Jesus is freedom. Jesus is freedom. Jesus is freedom. And to the degree you stay focused on him, you will find yourself free. If you don't, like I most times and sometimes don't, obsess yourself over Jesus. Will he still love you? Of course he will. Because he remembers our frame. And he recalls that we are nothing but dust. My daughter, Naraya, she's three. Going on 35. Trying to figure that out right now. So on Saturday, see, we had two pieces of bubble gum out on the table. And she said, Daddy, can I, can I have a piece of gum? I said, baby, sure you can. Have some. So there was one piece left. So I came back to the table probably about five or ten minutes later. I, I said, Naraya, what a gum? Mm-hmm, I don't know. Gum all in my mouth. I don't know. I said, so you, don't, you didn't eat the gum? He said, mm-hmm. I said, open your mouth. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I said, open your mouth. Mm-mm. Here it is. Three years old is becoming an expert in lying. But here's what I've realized. That, that I know that my baby, she's three. And that I know her frame. So what I did, instead of getting upset with her, I told her, I loved her and I hugged her because even though she was wrong, I wanted her to know she could still be free being her. That whether you lie to me or not, whether you steal from me or not, whether you do whatever you do that's wrong, daddy is still going to love you. So you're free to be you. If you've never gotten this Let me remind you, it was for freedom Christ set you free. He encouraged you, so then don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Live free from needing acceptance, approval, and all those other things, because all those things are found in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, now we thank you. And Father, we love you so much.
that we can be free. That though we, there's this tendency for us to try to be someone that we're not, somebody that we cannot be. God, you have, you and Christ have said because you've made us and you have declared us to be your children, God, that we can be free and free indeed. The Bible declares that whom the Son sets free is free indeed, that, that we should know the truth and the truth shall set So, Father, with this, we are free to fellowship with you. We're free to come into your presence as we are. Not not needing to clean ourselves up, not needing God to read our Bibles first. Not God, we're free to come to you and to allow the Spirit of God to convict us and to convince us, God, that God, that what we've done is wrong and we can from that repent to you because of Jesus that we can have this ongoing fellowship with you. Father, I just thank you. I I praise you for that, that you sent Christ to die for one, that you might bring us to yourself. And now, Father God, there might be one here, God, who has never done that before. And it's still, and, 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 They have not experienced your freedom. The the freedom it is, God, to live for your glory and pleasure. God, we understand this. That starts and that ends with Christ. So, Father, I pray now wherever they might be, God, that they would now trust in you and in the finished work of Christ where they can stop putting on shows. They can stop performing. They can be free. Will you please grant that to them and to your children? In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonegate Church, located in Midlothian, Texas. For service times, additional audio and study resources, as well as information about our church, please visit us at stonegate-church.com.